What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of All Out War. I am Turner, and I am in the studio with Rosie. Hey. And for the first time ever, forever, ever, in the history of this podcast, since Rachel's been on the show, she's going to be joining us in the studio as well. And hey. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of sounded like her there. <laughs> she's not here while we're recording this intro. She That's had to right. leave to do mommy stuff. That's right. Take yeah. care of a stupid baby. <laughs> <laughs> like, get a job already. Oh Rachel's baby, get a job. <laughs> Micah. You're a freeloader. It's been, it's been, yeah, it's been a few months. You need to, it's time for you to, to, to launch. Yeah. Your impact, you're making it inconvenient for us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so what do you know, man? <laughs> hey, I got a, a pretty good one. Okay. So I'm going to read a little bit. Um this is here it goes the french government was trying this is a little tagline right the french government did you know that the french government was trying to raise money by running a bond lottery <laughs> but a group of intellectuals had mm. other ideas okay so here's a good one all right uh okay it all unfolds so voltaire was a french uh enlightenment historian yeah um cool who, name yeah yeah um so he basically scammed the lottery, the French lottery. <laughs> it all unfolded when Voltaire was in his 30s. At the time, he was, quote, neither rich nor particularly famous, although he'd become one of the philosophies, which is the 18th century intellectuals and an author. He had had a few run-ins with the turbulent French government at the time. Earlier, he'd spent more than a year in the Bastille, and he'd returned from a two-year exile in England where he'd been sent as a result of a spat with a nobleman who made fun of his adopted name, Voltaire. So it said, uh, lotteries were all the rage in 18th century Paris. There were several cases, causes of this, he writes, as the, but the general financial uncertainty contributed to the public's eagerness to participate in such get-rich-quick get schemes. Hmm. Starting in 1729, the French government started running a lottery on bonds it owned in an attempt to promote the purchase of these bonds. Only bondholders could buy tickets in this lottery, and the price was pegged to the value of the bond. Winners could get the face value of the bond in addition to a 5,000 livre, whatever, French money, jackpot. <laughs> a huge sum of money at the time. Unfortunately for the government, and fortunate for uh, Voltaire, the mathematics behind this new government fundraising scheme was vastly flawed. So it said... Uh, if you owned a bond worth a very small amount of money with a lotto ticket for the bond costing one one thousandth of the value, you could buy the lottery tickets extremely cheap, cheaply, but your lottery ticket had just as much a chance of winning as someone who owned a bond for a hundred thousand hmm. and had to buy their ticket for a hundred livres, whatever. Yeah. So it said uh, these guys realized that if they were able to buy a large percent of the existing small bonds split into a thousand, then they could buy each lottery ticket for just one livre. If he owned enough of these small bonds, he could quickly give himself the bulk of the entries in the lottery while spending less, much less than the jackpot, thus assuring he'd win quite often, always win much more than he put in. Wow. <laughs> so it said the system worked best if a consortium of players bought tickets together and split up the winnings. So Voltaire and like 12 other guys teamed up and they all made 
a tidy sum. It says Voltaire's take was around half a million, <laughs> which he took to uh, the lottery and started playing it again. Wow. So he just kept doing it, and they basically scammed the French government out of all this money. Good for them. Yeah. Good for them. That's uh, awesome. Way to go, Voltaire. Yeah, not yeah. only did he have a cool name, he had a cool game. Yeah, but he he we don't like Voltaire. Okay. Yeah. I like his name. He had a cool That's name. Say. He was not a Christian. Uh, Bob, I mean, it, it, yeah. Lottery. If you're playing the lottery, I mean, yeah. There's a lot. I just there. I like that because it's not a whole like crazy one. Yeah, yeah. But it, I think a it ties into what we're about to talk about. Yes, it does. And the same thing with like the lottery. I was thinking of this is it's a tax on the poor when you think about it. Yeah. Because it is. Like most and I, I'm not trying to offend anyone, but the, the the large majority of people who buy a lot of money, who spend a lot of money on lottery tickets, right, are people who that's a lot of money to like the equivalent of like they what might, they're spending on lottery tickets. If you were to put in like a savings account, right. even a small interest, half a percent, just getting some or even invested, invested a little bit, right, would be so much better. But it's just you get caught because you can throw ten dollars here, twenty dollars. Next thing you know, you spend three hundred bucks in a month. Yeah, right. And uh, yeah, and you might so, you might win. Never, hardly ever. Yeah, be. actually, it's funny. Uh, I was gonna say one of my buddy's dads. Uh, won the lottery twice. Oh, wow. Off scratchers. That's crazy. Isn't it? That's really rare. Yeah. Yeah. Same guy. And he, he won it within like 10 years of each other. Like, I can't remember how long, it, but it was very short amount of time. Lots of money. Did he win lots of money? He won like a million dollars on one and he won like, I think three or $5 million on the other. Wow. One. Yeah. That's great. So he made some money, but. Yeah. He never had to work again. He could scratch tickets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> But, yeah, got to love uh, some mathematicians sticking it to the government and their go. money, even that's if they're right. anti-Christians. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. Take yeah. that, Govy. Yeah. Oh, man. It's going to be good. We've got a special guest. Lindsay's back with us. She was from Gematria. We're going to be talking about the Fed Reserve and a lot of other stuff. And Rachel's in the studio. It's going to be cool. So I would say sit back, grab a coffee. And cheat on your taxes. Oh, jeez. You're listening to the All Out War Podcast. Hey everybody, it's us again. We're back and we have a wonderful guest with us. It's our good friend Lindsay from Darling's Well on Instagram, and she was with us with a previous episode on Gematria. Lindsay, how are you doing and welcome back? I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me back. It is absolutely our pleasure. And uh, I was mentioning this to you earlier that when you shouted out to us on your Instagram account and your stories, uh, the result of you putting, first of all, you put us in like an amazing category of podcasts, which I couldn't believe with other people. And then you, uh, we 
somehow gathered like over 200 new followers on Instagram just because of you. So your followers love you and trust you and they're also really awesome. So thank you for doing that. <laughs> I I think maybe just the 200 people trust me. <laughs> no, I don't know about everybody else. <laughs> it's probably more than that, but you know, I know how you I know what you're saying. That's hilarious. Man. So we want to talk this in this episode we want to talk about the Federal Reserve the Federal Reserve. And I know this is something that's been talked about on a lot of podcasts through the years. And it's something that um, is not new to a lot of people. Um, I have to admit, you know, shame in a shameful way, I know very little about the Federal Reserve. I was obviously reading up a little bit about it today in preparation for the podcast. But at the same time, I'm looking forward to hearing uh, what you guys have to say about this. And, um, And I might take the posture of the guy asking the questions the dumb questions too, <laughs> which I'm pretty good at. So let's jump into this. Rosie, you uh, messaged me, you had some things that uh, you had found that hadn't been before on other podcasts. Yeah. So, so yes, the, uh, for anyone who isn't aware, this is, I'll, I'll kind of tee it up. Um, it doesn't really have a lot to do with the federal reserve, although it has everything to do with the federal reserve. All right. And, um, so for uh, the first time I ever heard about the Federal Reserve is these super popular like Ron Paul. He was really big on like end the Fed and all these kinds of things. And it's super big and liber- it's mostly like libertarian circles that talk about it in this way. And um, I was going to say j- j- just to as a little bit of history behind it. So the Federal Reserve is neither federal because it's not a... Uh, it has nothing to do with the government. It's it's not an institute. Like it's not, hmm. it's not in any way. What's the word I'm thinking of? Department um, agency. It's not an agency. Funded. It's not fun. Well, it is funded, but it is from not. The, yeah, from the tax. Oh, from well, in, in essence, us. But it's yeah. not a government agency. That gotcha. government does not have any oversight on it. It is a private institution. Uh-huh. Um, but the um, if anyone is really interested in any history of it, I'm, I'm teeing this up with. There's a book I read. It came out in 1994. It's called The Creature from Jekyll Island. Mm-hmm. And yeah. the Federal Reserve was an idea that was dreamt up, basically, by a bunch of the American tycoons, so to speak, in the early 1900s, right? And Jekyll Island is literally this island off the coast of Georgia, or it's down in Georgia. Mm-hmm. I was going to say, I pass the sign every time yeah. when you're driving down 95. Yeah. <laughs> You see Jekyll Island off there. Yeah. So I happened to just literally just earlier today was looking into a little bit of the history about Jekyll Island before anything, the Federal Reserve. And uh, so there's, it says the, so th- this is where it, give a little background. So Jekyll Island was, uh, it said, you know, the earliest identifiable inhabitants was this group of Native Americans. Um, they're called the Timu- Timucua, T-I-M-U-C-U-A. Mm-hmm. And they do not exist anymore. They were completely wiped out. Um, and I think it was uh, mostly the French, like the Huguenots. But anyway, so a little bit about these uh, these Native inhabitants is, uh, so like I said, the... You had all these rich, you know, Rockefellers, all those big time uh, J.P. Morgan. They all built their houses, these little cottages. 
And they weren't big. They're not massive. They're very, very reserved, these little cottages all on the island. And um, so when they started, uh, when after, you know, the, the Jekyll Island was originally, you know, the privately owned by these guys, it is now you can go there. It's like a regular uh, uh, public, state. It's public. public. It's like a public park. Yeah. And so you can see. So anyway, these Native Americans, this is when all the turn of the century, like in the 50s and 60s, when it got turned over from private to public, they started looking at all these bones of like Native Americans that houses, these cottages had been built upon. Mm. And so this is the interesting thing. These Tim Timakoa Indians are known for being average of eight feet in height. <laughs> and a lot of the weapons that they were buried with are not the natural Native American like bows. They have these like weird double European, they look like European or Middle Eastern bow and arrows. Cool. So you have these eight, yeah, and so we had Nephilim. Ne this is where I'm going with it. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I'm going with this. Is we're having these Native American giants who were using bows that are typically typical of found in the Middle East and Europeans mm, mm -hmm. and, from the Levant, right? From the Levant, I love it. Yeah. Um, but the other thing is that, uh, like, I, I keep uh, Rockefeller. I'm not, I, I can't remember which Rockefeller it was, but right. um, we can get into that. The rich one. Rich one, right. I they, think it's John. Was it John Rock Rockefeller? I, I don't know. I think they all have that name. It seems right. like every time you're reading, it's like, oh, it's John Rockefeller again. Yeah. Right. It's like John Rockefeller the 17th. Or John John D. <laughs> Rockefeller, right? Yeah. Right. And they're all, and the other thing is like, they're all alive at the same time. <laughs> you know, it's like there's 54 Johns and they're all standing, you know, like in a line. They all yeah. live. Um, but the biggest thing is when... Uh, when they turned this these house these cottages into public, they found out that one of them in particular, John Rockefellers. We're just going to go with that because I can't be bothered <laughs> to look it up. And it's, there's greater than a fifty percent chance of it being John Rockefeller. Um, just by guessing, was he? It was built on top of a um, altar, a sacrifice, a human sacrifice altar. I'm not making this up. And <laughs> the way that it was built. And there's, oh, they start finding all these other drawings of basically these Native Americans that were committing, you know, they're, they're going to get a little graphic, but child sacrifice. Oh. And John, so John Rockefeller, changed, basically. John Rockefeller built his house on top of the altar. the altar that was used for human sacrifice. And a lot of it was children. And the altar, again, just the, the last point to kind of draw in this whole other aspect that we can talk about if we want, is it was built in a Levant, Middle Eastern style altar. It wasn't like Aztec or, you know, like the native. Right. It is completely oh, Semitic That's so of that. And so the last thing, so now we set it up with these giants people. That was the house where most of the conversations about the start starting of the Federal Reserve were, took place. Hmm. So... So what I've, you're saying is basically like Poltergeist. I don't know. The movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Except they had a big meeting to destroy everyone's financial life. Yeah. Okay. I um, Geographically, that makes a lot of sense if you think about the um, the stone layers being in Florida and along the whole like South Georgia and Florida coastline. 
The stone layers are almost identical to the coast of West Africa. So at the time of all the continents splitting, Florida used to be bumped up right against um, Africa. Hmm. And um, part of it also was close to like the Morocco and like Northern Africa and Southern tip of like Spain, Portugal, that area. So you find a lot of similarities in like um, the types of plants and the types of um, geological. Yes, the geological, like the layers, all of the layers are almost identical because at the time of the split of all of the continents. So I'm almost wondering if like it was a very ancient tribe, Um, just a lot of very ancient you know, customs that have been back around since the time of the split. Like, wouldn't that mm-hmm. be wild? Well, and there, this is the only tribe that this kind of stuff was ever found. Oh, really? Yeah, like those kind of <clears throat> human sacrifice altars and stuff. They're they're the the most unique in America, all. or just yes. okay. Yeah. yeah, I would say yeah because you've got. But how old are the bodies of the children? I'm sorry. Can they like tell that the children that were sacrificed were not? more recent oh it's an interesting point they didn't talk about that um they said they found a lot of uh well they they didn't dig into it but they found like child's bones and they also found a lot of paintings around Mm -hmm. like of that area of like the altar that they found and it's like you know guys holding you know babies by their feet and slitting their throats and stuff yeah like really nasty stuff hmm yeah, it, from my reading, it's actually a Canaanite altar, like exact. Mm. That Well, like, that would make sense, right? Yeah. Coming from that area. Yeah. Oh, man. Wow. It's like old news, new news. It's all the same news, right? It's mm-hmm. like nothing changes. Wow. But that's pretty. That's a pretty cool find, man. I, is that a more recent uh, archaeological discovery? No. Oh. I think it's pretty old. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> I just never – yeah, so – uh, no, I think it's only a couple decades. Oh wow! Because I heard some interview with um, like a Christian archaeologist or I, I'm paleontologist. I don't know which one is going for bones and ruins, hmm. and they said that they felt God telling them to go to Jekyll Island, and they went there and found the altar and all of that, and um. Hmm. <laughs> Wow, yeah, it's getting anyway. more. It's getting better and better. The yeah, stories we are, haven't even. But talked I mean, about. he was he was he was telling um, somebody Rob Skiba, I believe. So I, it was obviously within our lifetime of mm. him finding. Mm. Wow, that's pretty cool. I'd be really interested in seeing pictures of these findings of. You bones. should go down there on your way back. I know, right? Well, the whole Timucuan um, River Preserve stretches down the entire um, coast from probably Jekyll Island onward all the way down to like past St. Augustine. Oh, really? So it's this whole park, um, mm. and it's just this really natural area. And there, Well, the same tribe was, they said, built in, in uh, Florida too. St. Augustine. The, the, really? The thing that I saw said that they, the same tribe of, yeah, Indians, like, wow. when they started, they kind of got pushed down, and they were the ones that started. Do you know what's really huge in St. Augustine is the ghost tours. <laughs> yes, they are. Yeah. <laughs> you know what else is huge is that big castle that's made out of seashells, the Co- Co- Coquina or whatever. Oh, I think I remember that. Coquina. It's like, it sits mm. on the point there. Mm. You can, mm. like, if you go to St. Augustine, you can't yeah. miss it. It's Yeah. 
It's made out of like weird and, seashells. And the fort. There's also yeah. The that's fort. what I'm. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, I can't remember what it's called. It's got a drawbridge, <laughs> yes. but yeah. Yes, it has a drawbridge. Yeah, that whole area is named after those Indians. Ah. And there, if you go down to like Ponte Vedra, there's like enormous, enormous houses and a castle, and it's just wild. And I'm like, what are people doing to be able to afford this? Oh, and when you were saying enormous, I was thinking like eight foot doorways. Like they could so they, honestly <laughs> could fit a few of those in there. Mm-hmm. I'm just wondering how many of them know about the Federal Reserve. <laughs> the people there. The people who own those huge houses. <laughs> the drug lords. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that's an awesome dig, and that's pretty cool. Like I, I that's, the, man. It's like uh, you know the Nephilim. We just can't get away from them. They they weave into everything. It's amazing. So that's why they're hidden so much. Yeah, right? I do think that it probably expands across most of those Georgian islands um, because Cumberland, you can't go on. The Rockefellers own that as well, and you have mm-hmm. to like have a private invitation. And then there's one, I think, is it Sea Island? There's another one that's yes. totally gated, and you mm-hmm. can't get in without invitation. So it's like they Was still that- have places for the elite to go in that area. Mm-hmm. Um, that we're not, you know, able to go to. But just for accuracy, I looked it up, and it was John D. Rockefeller. Okay. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> Holding us to and the truth. My family actually went there um, a year ago, and we took a tour of the Rockefeller Cottage. And it's a little bigger than what you're <laughs> saying. Uh, yeah. I guess it was probably a cottage compared to their normal, normal home. house. <laughs> but what was interesting is they're from floor like entryway kitchen there wasn't a spot in that house that the flooring wasn't red velvet carpet and it's obviously like a different red carpet now because they said that they had to um you know refurbish the place Mm -hmm. but i thought that that was a red flag just being in it and not even knowing anything about the native giants there and the sacrifices, I just knowing like the Rockefeller name, mm-hmm. that sacrifice is a portion of their life. And so yeah. I was like, oh, well, they've got like great carpet for hiding blood spills. <laughs> but, yeah. you know. Or it's just means, you know, the red velvet is, indi- it's like a indicator of, yeah. you know, it's yeah. like the red shoes, the red. Did you get any yeah. weird, weird feelings being there? Yeah, it was weird. The whole thing is weird, too. Like, in our hotel, where we stayed in the old mansion that they used to stay in, and right above the bed is this giant picture of John Rockefeller, like, over you while you sleep. Oh, my God. And I I had to pray the whole time, like, just please do not let the demons that are still in this place, like, come home with us. Yeah, right? Wow, man. That's for real. That's crazy. Well, it doesn't – Rothschilds were another family, right? That were part of all that. Doesn't yeah. doesn't their name mean red red shield or something like that? Rothschild. Yeah, yeah. I, I believe so. So there's that red. And I don't one. think they're on the name of the Federal Reserve, like the Amer- because they're not Americans. Mm. But they are the family that owns the Federal Reserve. Wow. So maybe this would be a good time, Lindsay. Could uh, so we we've already set up that no matter what. This is not a good place. Like this, the, right. the the way that it, this was founded. Um, not getting into the violence of Native Americans. I don't care about them. But um, just getting into you know like 
what actually happened with all these guys, the Rockefellers, the Rothschilds. And, you know, can you, you take us from, you know, idea to what it is now, Lindsay? I'll try. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So my understanding is that before this, so this was like 1913, right? 1914. Is that true? Um, There was no federal tax. It was just state tax, I Mm -hmm. think, at that time. Mm -hmm. And these elite men decided that they wanted to be able to have everybody pay taxes to this private organization um, that would benefit their families essentially because they live off the interest that we all pay in. And I'm not sure if it was like 10 of them. There was a good amount, but three of the men opposed it and they couldn't get the vote to go through. So their friend JP Morgan invited them on his brand new ship, the Titanic. And the three of them disappeared in that story on their way back and so because they the only votes that opposed it were gone then the rest of the group voted to enact the federal reserve and i think we were actually one of the later countries to get a private banking system because um the rothschilds who owned the federal reserve they owned the world banking systems or the private banks, like around the whole world. And currently, there's only one country in the world that doesn't have one, and that's North Korea. Mm-hmm. But um, well, they're so wealthy. I mean, do they really need it? <laughs> I know. Sorry. Well, and it's really interesting. The list is like Syria didn't have one until yep. the year that America attacked them. And mm. I think Iran was really late. Mm-hmm. I have it written down. I can read that later for accuracy on that. But so, wait, so anyway, I'm sorry. What, what you're saying is that when we when Syria was invaded, that's when they enacted yeah. it. So, like in the well, last couple of years, like last four no, or five no, no, years. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's when we overthrew Gaddafi. That was um, Libya. Oh, I'm sorry. Then Libya is another country as well. Yeah. Oh, maybe, Syria. Maybe that's yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah, Syria was Assad. Assad. I'm sorry. Assad. Yeah. Remember, he was gassing his own people. I'm mm-hmm. doing air quotes mm-hmm. with that. Was it? Um, wasn't there something about Cuba and or Venezuela? Hmm. Weren't they one of the later countries as well? You were asking the wrong guy. Um, yeah, they were. I feel like so it, as a back in 2003, there were still a handful: Iran, North Korea, Cuba, Libya, Sudan, Iraq, and Afghanistan. Okay, so mm-hmm. I was. Libya, you were correct. Hmm. And Afghanistan got their central bank in 2003, but we invaded them in 2001. Um, hmm. Iraq. Uh, Nine, probably in the 90s or like mid 90s, 95, probably. It says that they founded it in 2004. Hmm. Okay. And then the Libya one was in 2011. Hmm. <laughs> so yeah. it's it's coinciding <laughs> with it's coinciding with as soon as we spread democracy, we spread central bank uh, basically federal reserve so, banking. Yeah, I think it's giving a little insight into like if you don't do it, you'll get attacked again or something. You know, right. 
I have a question. <clears throat> how for the for the layman, how would it work? Like how how does it actually impact the everyday person that there is a federal res- reserve? Because most people, I mean, they're just like they realize, hey, if I don't pay taxes, then, you know, I go to jail. And they don't really realize like maybe where all of their money is going. Um, and maybe mm-hmm. don't really don't question the air quote agencies that are over all of this. So can you explain a little bit about um, after it was founded, how it became kind of like central to American economy and worldwide economy? Well, gosh, that seems like a big, deep question to explain. I don't know if I will do it <laughs> okay. justice, but I will try. So when you're born, they give you your bank account number that we call our social security number. Mm-hmm. And that's um, what everybody's paying into. And I'm not sure what the penalty would be if you actually don't, besides prison, right? They take you or they fine yeah. you. I don't, I don't know what happens. Both. But yeah. because, okay, so the Federal Reserve is not backed by anything. The, all these world banks are not backed by anything. And so there's the Rothschilds or whomever in their top of their bank decides the interest rate of the money owned or loaned out. And so when the U.S. asks for a loan to give money to like another country or whatever it is, aid-wise, they immediately owe the bank back what they took plus the interest. So that's crazy. It's like a complete debt system, but it only has value because they tell us it has value. So basically it's just paper. Mm. And, um, yeah, I don't know how to, so so when we moved away from the gold standard, you know, before pre-Federal Reserve, the American economy was supported by gold standards. So the dollar was was valued by the amount of gold we had in reserve. And then when they went to the Federal Reserve, that went away, and we were using the the Federal Reserve as the standard. Right? Mm-hmm. Is that what? You're, no. Okay. Help. Correct me. Oh, the Federal Reserve. Yeah, went into um, in nineteen thirteen. Right. Gold standard was until under Nixon. Fif- oh. 1971. 71. Mm. Yeah. That's when they abolished the gold standard? Well, we moved off of it. We moved away yeah, from maybe, it. Maybe uh, I'll hop in here a little bit, Lindsay, and help, get, get, help you out with this. So um, e- so the, the Federal Reserve was signed into um, under Wilson with a uh, the Federal Reserve Act. Um, and it, it says, I'm, I'm reading right off here from what it says, the Federal Reserve's responsibilities fall into four general areas. Conducting the nation's monetary policy. So again, this is a private institution that's doing these. Conducting the nation's monetary policy by influencing money and credit conditions in the economy in pursuit of full employment and stable prices. This is what they're saying off the federalreserve.gov, which is mm. very weird that they have a dot .gov. .gov, yeah, right. Um, the next one is supervising and regulating banks and other important financial institutions to ensure the safety and soundness of the nation's banking and financial system, and to protect the credit right of consumers. The third one is maintaining the stability of the financial system and containing systematic systemic risk that may arise in financial markets 
and providing cert certain financial services to the United States government, U.S. financial institutions, and U.S. Uh, I'm sorry, foreign official institutions, and playing a major role in over operating and overseeing the nation's payment systems. Hmm. So uh, they set interest rates, manage the money supply, and regulate the actual financial markets. So, and they're doing this all without anything to back it which is so wild to me. Right. Like, right. if all of a sudden people couldn't pay back what they actually owe, what would happen? We would suddenly become debt slaves, or actually maybe we, we already are, are oh, debt yeah. slaves to 100%. the Federal Reserve. So the banks borrow from the Federal Reserve, The Federal Reserve, then the banks loan it to us, and then the banks pay interest that's lower than the interest they're charging us so they can make money as well. So it's just a big trickle-down debt snowball exactly and uh, I was gonna say the whole thing uh, that a lot of people don't think about um, when it, in regards to this and you know we touched on it with uh, all those countries is you know how does the government actually like not go into debt because that's mm, the whole thing mm -hmm. we're, we're so many countries and then other countries buy our debt yeah. Mm -hmm. from the Federal Reserve right so They'll loan us money that we can't, you know, loan all this money back. And so, you know, if all the countries right now that owned our debt basically came to collect and said, mm -hmm. you need to pay for it right now, the entire world's economy would go because we go, debt, we don't have it. Sorry. Bye. Bankrupt. You're bankrupt. Yeah. So the whole thing about the thing that actually makes America, why people still want to buy American bonds, why countries want to invest in America, why they want to buy our debt is actually because the might of the gov uh, the military is the thing is we can protect our assets because we have a strong military. So that's how it ties in huh. with a lot of these, you know, and that's where it goes into, yeah, we're going to spread democracy to this country. We're going to save them from themselves. You know, we're going to nationalize the, uh, I'm sorry, we're going to privatize their national economies like uh, with the OPEC countries where all of a sudden it went from, you know, countries or Venezuela that, you know, shared profits of all their oil. All of a sudden it becomes a privatized things. You know, that's why you have all these uh, Middle Eastern families, the Sultans of Brunei or the Saudi royal family. They can, they're now the government because they're the richest, but like they're still, they're the royal, they, you know, like it, the government is very intertwined in there. Right. But they own something that used to be public. Right. So it went private and they happened to be the benefactors of that because they were in positions already of well they were also power. placed into power by the United States government. <clears throat> yeah. So now if, if people who aren't aware you're starting to see all these tentacles of where you're getting foreign policy that's being directed by um you know I have something right here about an article from the Council on Foreign Relations about how good the central bank is to fight COVID <laughs> um, right now. <laughs> to, to, it's yeah. like both those things. Right. So people are singing its praises and not even realizing that like it's basically just a sinking hole of, that you can never escape from. And Correct. It almost reminds me of like Babylon a little bit. Like, like the different prophecies about how just like the whore of Babylon and all of her different lovers and all of her different <laughs> people coming to collect and then, you know, how eventually she will receive, you know, uh, payback essentially. But like, I, I don't know, it's just, it reminds me of like 
America is heralded as like this, you know, bright, shining nation among conservatives, but among the rest of the world, I mean, they all want to be like America. They, ha- they idealize it and think it's so free, when in reality, it's just a slave to the system and it's a slave to the amount of debt that it's under. But I don't, the that's other, just a limb. Yeah, the other thing too, I, I don't know if you guys, like, I don't know how the World Bank ties into this, but too much with the central bank, but or the Federal Reserve, but um, a lot of times these nations will will go to war, will spread democracy, air quotes, and um, will say, okay, well, we'll rebuild your country now. The World Bank will give you this loan to rebuild your country. And so then they become indebted to the World Bank <laughs> and uh, to rebuild what was destroyed without their them wanting to even have it happen, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of times. You know, I think about you know Assad. Like we, it's interesting. Like um, Ukraine right now, like they have to, we have to build up a story uh, around an event so that they can justify going in or giving mm-hmm. weapons or spending money or whatever. And so, uh, the problem is, is that technology is making it more difficult for them to to keep the lies up because you have mm-hmm. people on the ground in real time mm-hmm. with cameras and phones and everything else and social media and they're able to spread the reality quicker than they can get the f- narrative you know out to the media and less and less people are trusting the media uh, now they're they're really just list, they're just going on Instagram and watching Darlene Dwell's stories because <laughs> she, she's a uh, the harbinger of truth right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. I mean, the sheer fact that you can even get on there and see lives happening or, you know, people posting videos in real time and then enough people see it before it's taken down. And then you saw with your own eyes mm-hmm. and you saw it get taken down and instantly you realize something's up. So it's almost like the, you know, the Council of Disinformation can't even work fast enough to take all that stuff right. down. But but the fact that people are catching on to something's not quite right, definitely you see in the future uh, a crackdown on those weak areas like, you know, Facebook and Instagram getting really, really tough on conspiracy theories and um, mm-hmm. misinformation and um, marking things as... <laughs> false right <laughs> getting that little missing context yeah. uh flag on your posts but but it's been really cool like following different people who have so many people writing in and giving their eyewitness accounts because then not only are you getting to see with your own eyes what other people are seeing with their own eyes but then you can screenshot it and save it for yourself um and i think that the spread of information is still one of the most powerful assets that you can have even if you don't have any money if you have the truth on somebody and you can share that then you're dangerous yeah and that's why the technocracy you know the technocrats and the banking and they're all in the same bed you know the the banking the technocrats the the medical big pharma um and then education and government they're Mm -hmm. all it's all one big like I think Rosie used the word tentacles. It's like they all have separate tentacles, but they're all connected to the same mm-hmm. head with the same agenda. And they've been working for hundreds of years in our nation, but throughout the world, you know, for at least a thousand years that I can mm-hmm. look back over some of these families, you know, maybe longer. I mean, it does. you could trace it back biblically all the way to Nimrod mm-hmm. if, if you really wanted to go back to the origins. 
But man, that's the thing that kills me is that the agenda that's behind it. So it's like they create the system, build the build the whole thing, and then we're birthed into it without even having any say or any way to really break free. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the appeal of one of the, you know, back in the Q movement when it was getting legs a few years ago, um, you know, one of the appeals was that this whole Gesara, Jasara, Nasara, whatever, I forget what it was exactly, but basically they were going to get rid of the the Federal Reserve and they were going to reenact the gold standard. And Yeah, everybody was really excited about that. I mean, I was excited. I mean, I want it to happen, but yeah. unfortunately it was not the case. They're not going to give up their... No. They're not going to give up what they've built and spent on. That meeting they had on Jekyll Island, which, by the way, Rosie, I did, I was going to say something to you. Lindsay said it for me. Thank you, Lindsay. Was uh, when I saw some photos, some old photos from that meeting, and it was like this beautiful, like, sunroom with, like, windows all the way down. There was, like, 30 people in the room, so it wasn't a small cabin. <laughs> but, <laughs> I should have used the term modest in, <laughs> in comparison. Yes. And, like, what Lindsay said. Yeah, because, uh, like, I, I've been up to, uh, I was up to... Um, Lake Winnipesaukee, and um, the guy that started Amway has like an island on Lake Winnipesaukee, like it's out there, and the house is insane. And the Walgreen family is out there too. They have a fam- they have a big house, and these are in like you were talking, like you were saying in Florida, they're just insane homes. Mm-hmm. So I guess a modest home would be one that you could fit thirty to fifty people in, in the sunroom on the ocean. In my <laughs> yeah, in the sunroom. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Which was made for tea, mm-hmm. you know. So what else you got, Lindsay? So isn't, well, no, just the, the idea that America thinks that we did away with slavery, but really mm-hmm. we're all owned, you know, because we we give to our masters who tell us to pay back. Yeah. Like we're allowed to have a job so that way they make money off of us having a job, yeah. you know? Yeah. And if you we're kind of cattle, yeah, and they build a system around the system too. So, like, say for instance, you don't have a job, but you want to drive a car. Well, you have to have a driver's license. You can't have a driver's license unless you have a social security number. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, you have to get into the system in order to have privileges within the system, and it's impossible to live outside of it. Mm-hmm. I I get this one backwards, but I think it's called like. So you are your straw man, but you can get rid of your straw man or you can get your straw man. I'm not sure which one this is. Okay, I'm sorry. (laughs) Sorry you asked me to be on your podcast. (laughs) But you can, like, get rid of your social security number is basically what it means. And you become your own private citizen. Yeah, I know a lot of people were very against that. That's sovereign. That's that's that sovereignty. But you literally couldn't go anywhere. and You can't. And you have to be completely self-sufficient because you're not allowed to be employed anywhere. Hmm. And you wouldn't, You, I mean, would you be able to use cash? Potentially. And I guess if, if you had a way, if you, you were able to table? work under the table, yeah, you could probably do it. But I've heard of stories of like a handful of people who've used their social security number at the World Bank and taken out a withdrawal and then... And the money comes to them, but they get arrested or some, something bad happens <laughs> to them. I don't know. 
<laughs> you can't get that Social Security money before you can draw on <laughs> 65 or something, whatever it is. Yeah. And you got to pay in for so many quarters, too, before you can withdraw. Um, gee whiz, man. Yeah, uh, it is one form of slavery for another, right? What we thought we were set free. But in the Bible warns about this, right? So first of all, God warned the Israelites not to, or the Jews, not to use usury, not to enact usury, especially against the brother. And so it's going against that from the biblical standpoint. But then when you see in the end times when they enact the one world currency and you can't buy or sell without the mark, um, I think that's going to be like the real fulfillment and clamping down of everything that's kind of been foundationally laid into place today that we're living within. I mean, just what you just said, right, just a second ago, Lindsay, about like when, when we, someone enacts, I think the word is sovereignty, like independent sovereignty or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a, Rosie, you and I had a guy that was telling us about that one time. He want, he was looking into that, um, that waiter guy that we know. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, uh, and it, and I actually know somebody who, you know, he, uh, found out the information back in the 80s about how the Federal Reserve and all this and the IRS and the taxing, how it's, there's no, you don't, this, I'm, I'm not advising this to anyone by any stretch of the imagination. I'm telling you a story that a person that I know did. He believed that he did not have to pay taxes because it's not a law in the, it's not a law. And so he did not pay taxes and he served eight years in prison for that (laughs) because he refused to pay taxes. So they've really got us, you know, between a rock and a hard place because what, what, what are your options? Yeah. Unless you know all of that legalese and you can get a lawyer who understands all of that, like you really have to become so educated in it before you even speak it aloud that you are trying to make this argument right. and most people don't even want to give that the time of day like most people are just like that's silly how are you gonna get a job but when you think about like the slippery slope that we've been on for so long that it's almost impossible as a society to even step outside of it that is how easy it's going to be for the mark of the beast to be enacted from a financial standpoint, it's going to be so easy for people to just be like, hey, I need to do this in order to just stay in society and maintain my livelihood and retire. You know, it's going to yeah. be an easy decision, I think. And, and it's going to be an active decision. I don't think it's going to be something you, um, you know, have the whole pull over your eyes yeah. or something. Yeah, but I mean, it is going to be something where you have to realize you're going to have to step outside of everything that you were a part of before and it's going to be a hard thing for a lot of people because they just weren't prepared for it but i mean i don't think that it's a salvation issue by any means to be uh you know a sovereign citizen or just to you know use your social security number i thought you were talking about the mark no the mark the mark for sure will be rachel no 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 what kind of theology do you have uh, i just think that there will be a lot of people where it's a very sudden decision that they're going to have to make and like a law be passed and a law be passed and they will not have thought about it at all before um but right now you know obviously it's not a salvation issue to be a part of the american right right. system right well i mean obviously everyone already is because they've been born and they have you know a social security number but I just think it's yeah. interesting that it's so integral that people don't even bat an eye about it. Um, 
Yeah. Well, and I agree with you. And that a, a couple of comments or things that I have shared about the vaccine for COVID, a lot of women responded back to me with, oh, well, my husband didn't have a choice because he has to have his job or I had to do it because of this or, you know, like everybody always has that um, belief or that um, kind of stronghold onto the life that they have right now. Yeah. And they, I, I kind of think it's one of the manipulations that the church has allowed us to be in is like, we look at, material things as blessings from God. And so it's like, why wouldn't God want my husband to keep his job? So if they say he has to have a vaccine, then that's something we can rationalize doing because it's keeping him in the job that God has blessed him with. Whereas, you know, maybe we're supposed to step back knowing that that's the whole future thing is that something's going to be offered to us to participate in this world. And at some point, you do have to say, I'm fleeing Babylon. Right. You know, if you're mentally not prepared for that, I mean, physically it's going to be hard, right? Because it's going to be the end of the world. But um, it's an emotional heart posture of like, can you walk away from all the comforts that your flesh desires Mm -hmm. and really understand that a blessing from God is what salvation, your health, um, the loved ones, the you know, the fellowship with believers around you. Like, it's the very simple um, kingdom thing, yeah. not this world. But we are so attached to it. So I kind of, I mean, I know a lot of people were like, well, this is a precursor to the mark, which isn't biblical in the sense that it's not told to us. There's like a test run. But <laughs> just that mentality right of like seeing how quickly people yeah could say i don't want that in my body at all but i have to be able to travel so i'm going to take it and they're able to justify participating in the world yeah but it comes at a cost you know yeah it's a conditioning that they're enacting on people and i i would say too you know um just thinking about that with the the whole idea of um, of you know <clears throat> something coming down the pike. Um, I just recently the WEF, you know, the World Economic Forum met in Davos, Switzerland, and then also the UN, the World Health Organization, which is the the um, health part of the UN. They met as well at the same time in uh, Europe, and. Uh, one of the proposals for America was that Joe Biden wanted to give complete pandemic control over to the World Health Organization's um, director of, of pandemic response, which would have enacted them the ability to have control um, over our military lockdowns, all kinds of things. And fortunately, it didn't happen. Uh, they they held off on it. And I think, I think in November, they're going to go back and re- do this whole thing and try and repropose it after they make some changes. But that's, that's the, they're positioning all of that. They're trying to put it into play. And one of the things too, that people forget about is we've had agenda 20, 2030 for a long time, you know, that's been out, it's been available. I recommend people get it and read it and, and familiar, 
familiarize yourself with it because that's the playbook that they seem to be sticking to. And they are, they, when I say they, everyone always goes, well, who's they? Who's they? Well, <laughs> it's, an, it's a cabal of people that are elite. John D. Rockefeller. Right. The Rothschilds, the Rockefellers, the, there's, like, um, there's like seven or eight families that... Vanderbilts. The Vanderbilts, yeah. And and J.P. Morgan, like you were saying, Rosie. And I think, um, you know, the royal families and the, all of these these families, these this cabal, they have their people in place. And if you don't think they don't have their people in place, what happened during COVID was a perfect example because we saw governors and we saw mayors and we saw people that were going above the law to do things that were unconstitutional in the United States. And the reason they had that authority is because of emergency use authority that was enacted, that they would say, whoa, this is an emergency, we're gonna do this. You have to wear a mask, or you can't, you have to stay locked down, or whatever the case may be. So I can see the connections on how that could happen. I can see how that can work. And it's just sad to me that it, the Federal Reserve started you know, the way it started was here in the United States. Mm -hmm. That's really sad to me. And it's become such an integral part of the system that it's so difficult to extricate yourself from that. And it's like an entrapment with like, it's almost like playing chess and you're you're playing on one side and then you're also coming around on another side right. and they're, you're making a move that they're not going to expect until the very end. And I honestly think that we're gonna see a lot more of a crackdown. Um, in the next couple of years, it's just, yeah. I, I honestly think it will probably get a lot harder economically um, to the point where people are relying much more on government assistance and um, there's going to be need for aid mm -hmm. to the U.S. Um, like we've never had before. Like the kind that we're sending to third world countries. Right. And that's the plan. Like if you, if you, this is the great reset, right? They want mm -hmm. to, you know, control demolition our economy so that we have a great need. And once we have a great need, they can step in and say, hey, we'll be the saviors. This government, this, this NGO, this non-government organization will be the, will be the one that will rescue you. And so, uh, and so they rely on two things right now, pandemics and climate. Those are the two things that yep. they're, that they're banking on. And so, they spray our skies with chemtrails and mm -hmm. they use weather control so that they can create problems. And then they release man-made uh, viruses out of labs in other countries. Um, Via chemtrails. Via chemtrails, right. <laughs> are you guys keeping track with um, all of the talk of like the next big man climate change being like the, the new thing that people are going to have to crack yeah, down on? the new pandemic, right? Yeah, so... Can you imagine if there were lockdowns based off of man-made climate change? Like, yeah, it will never end. No, because they're literally affecting the weather right. in <laughs> order to it. make yeah. this happen. So instead of false flags in you know war-torn countries, now it's it's going to be worldwide weather events. Yeah. And Hurricanes. you, Joe Schmo, are the culprit for it, and you have to pay in this, and you're going to be taxed on this, and you can't have that type of car, and no more having cows, you know? like. <laughs> and if they burp, you get taxed even more. Yeah, yeah your carbon yeah, footprint. Yeah, I just read that. That's, that's happening in New Zealand, I believe it was. Yeah, yep. <laughs> Last week it happened. Yeah. <laughs> like, whose job is it to monitor the cow burp? Right. <laughs> 
well, they're going to have drones that are going to have some kind of, uh, you know, device that can <laughs> fly above. <laughs> Perfect. Right. So, man, that's, that's, I mean, that's the plan. So I guess this is the, the footprint that isn't been placed is the footprint to control the finances so that there's no, you know, so that they can enact the one world uh, currency. And what about crypto and all of this? Is it really an answer to fight that? Anybody? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say so. I would think that that's more in line with the one world currency. Hmm. Just because if you don't have, have access to a physical way of paying for things because it's all digital, but you don't have access to digital because you haven't taken the mark or mm-hmm. any additional precursors that come out, then you really don't have anything besides bartering with your neighbors. Yeah. If they will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, at first I thought crypto would be the, cause it's, it's decentralized. And so you have, you have this whole, Oh, there's my dog. <laughs> uh, you have this decentralized um, way of, of controlling your finances. And so it doesn't have this connection to uh, an overlord, if you will. And, um, but now I think they're trying to force in national cryptocurrencies and I think they're trying to squeeze out the independent ones like, you know, the altcoins and Bitcoin and, and those. So I think initially it was, and I think that might be why they've been clamping down so hard because they realize, oh, we didn't see this coming, <laughs> which would be good. Um, yeah, because if you could, if you could sustain yourself off of that and be off the grid, but the problem is, is once they take away the internet, then you don't have access to your, you don't have access to blockchain anyways. So, yeah. yeah. Well, and that's the fear too with the Federal Reserve being our money, since it means nothing, it has no value. If any event happens where they're like, we're not, we're not going to add say that a dollar is worth a dollar any longer, right. then everything in our bank account is just nothing. Yeah. Right. And that's, you know, that's why people are talking about buying gold. <laughs> there are some options around it right now. If you're smart and, and you're, you know, disciplined, you can probably spread it out a little bit and, and buy yourself some time later on if something really weird happened quickly. But Honestly, a majority of the people aren't going to be prepared. And like Rachel was saying, right. they're going to be, it's going to be like, well, I want and like you were saying, like, I want to work or I want to be able to do this. And this is my life, you know? So, but now if you're like me, which I know I'm in the minority, uh, I believe in the rapture. So I'm hoping that, <laughs> that the Lord's going to rescue the church out and uh, let, let all the hell break loose and, and then uh, discipline Israel. That's my hope. So, <laughs> I agree. Yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, like I always say, hope for the best, prepare for the worst. You know. So. Yeah, I mean, the best thing you can do to uh, invest, you know, because it's the same thing with like the gold. You know, uh, investing in gold. I mean, just basic economic policy theory, not even policy is everyone agreed that gold is worth something 
And that's the whole thing is now you have these, again, tying back into the Federal Reserve, they're saying a dollar is worth this and they're going to, you know, adjust things to, you know, make um, make it stay what they want it to be equal to, you know, mm-hmm. like th- we, we have this some weird crazy thing but the whole the the whole thing is the the only you know uh we can go back to seashells you know like what the old native american tribes used you know trading seashells is one of the earliest forms of currency because everyone agreed that it was worth something like this seashell uh it was like there was labor behind it that that, that's what all this is economic policy is is a transaction of an extraction of labor, right. at least, especially Marx was talking about that. And so you get into, you know, in the future, what it's going to look like, um, you know, <laughs> say everything happens. We don't have a, have it, I'll, I'll preface it, uh, phrase it by Christians are gone. <laughs> and so after we're all gone, how would one, uh, how would the, pol- the econ- economic policy what would the world's economic situation look like? Well, they're probably not going to use a currency anymore after, you know, if the rapture happens and we're gone, um, there might be one world, you know, currency, but it, again, it, it's only worth anything that people are willing to pay for it. Like if I give you this piece of paper, we, we agree it has $10 on it. And that means something that you can go take that $10 and everyone agrees that that's worth $10. But what is paper money? And this is hyperinflation. You know, what is paper money worth when nothing is worth anything? What is what good is gold when nobody wants gold because gold can't heat their house? It can't provide anything in a in a wasteland of where you know we're all talking about. It, you know, gold's nice to have but only until other people don't want to buy gold. No one cares about it. Right. So that's or they don't see the of, value in it. Yeah. Well, there there is yeah. no inherent. The only inherent value in it is what everyone agrees upon. Right. Um, so, you know, <laughs> I'd push back a little bit. It's nice to you know store up some gold and stuff like that, but water and uh, food, ammo, guns to protect that, you know, farm, uh, you know, farmland thing, you know, that's actually useful to grow stuff, animals. You know, those are the kinds of things that I think, you know, down the road. Um, well, they're literally, those are the- they're literally trying to uh, – sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. But one of the plans is that they want to get rid of private private land ownership and farming completely. Mm-hmm. So they're going to have it – make it so difficult. If, if I wanted to have chickens, like if I had five acres and I wanted chickens, goats, and a cow or two, they would make it very, very difficult and very expensive for me to be, be able to even do that. And you can't do it off the grid – like it's impossible to not be seen or not be known. Right. So. I heard it'll be a tax for each animal that you have. So like if your chicken lays eggs, then you pay a tax because you're getting something from your chicken that the government isn't making any money off of and they're not okay with that. <laughs> complete communism. <laughs> That's all yeah. it is. It's just legit complete communism. So hide, hide your chickens. Yeah, what are we going to do? Underground farming? Like, are we going to do vertical, uh, underground vertical? Uh, Indoor. That's why I bought a bunch of chickens. I'm doing it. I'm I'm raising chickens in my condo. In your condo? Is that what you're doing? And I got a baby pool. I'm going to start uh, farming shrimp, too. 
<laughs> That's my plan. <laughs> they, they fear the indoor shrimp the farmer. The indoor farmer. The indoor shrimp farmer. Yeah. But no, uh, yeah, that's exactly it. And I think a good thing, like if anyone is worried about this, you know, the whole the, the talk about economic collapse and all that is exactly what you, you, you just brought up. And this is where I was going with it is any you start to see these policies that they are openly talking about wanting to enact on in us on us. And um, their view of the world, you know, I I think it's they're moving towards a subscription based everything, which I mean, I've said a lot, um, so I won't go into it. But the fact that, you know, everything is being conditioned this way that, you know, being OK with not owning anything, you know, just perfect example. We were talking right before we recorded where Rachel was like, oh, I miss the days of, uh, you know, she can yell at me for exposing her but she missed having an android phone oh, right. because you could have an sd card and you can put your music and you can actually own that versus you know like spotify i was one of the last people to ever come to streaming music i still don't like it yeah me too i, I hate it i like owning my own music because spotify you know but you start seeing these incremental changes that they start subscription-based music you're not going to buy why would you buy an album when you can just pay a service to listen to it as many times as you want, all these things. So these little subtle changes, you know, are all moves that they're doing. So to go back to this whole thing is what should you start, you know, stock stocking up in is the things that they're going after, you know, like they're, they're giving us an agenda of what basically they're giving us a checklist of what we should start stocking up on. Right. Is like, you know, beef. Cause they're saying, you know, no more, you can't have cows. You should probably, know start looking into ways to getting food you know not they don't want us to own property you should go get property you know like that's the way to like reverse all the things they're get basically giving us a checklist of everything that we should be reading and go okay if they're going after this we should this is what i should be investing in yeah because those are the things that are going to be worth anything afterwards you know yeah yeah and, and they have publicly admitted that with their you know the way they reveal things and the World Economic Forum has like a blog post about written from the perception of a young girl in the year 2030. And she's talking about how <laughs> she's happy and she doesn't own anything. And of course, drones bring her groceries to her doorstep. But she mentioned that those who don't live in the smart cities um, are like self-sufficient. They can't come in, but they're doing okay. Like she makes a note of, that they're aware that there are people that exist that are not in the government ran places. And I think that's their kind of reveal of like, we're giving you enough notice yeah, yeah, for you to true. get to the gray area. Because even there's websites about Agenda 2030 and you can look up their map plans mm -hmm. uh, because they want high-speed trains throughout the U.S. And I think it's 12 or 13 different um, district areas, but the, a lot of the Midwest and then the top are all gray area, implying that by the year 2030, those won't be developed hmm. cities, like, you know, where like m the majority of the population will live any longer. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're moving. And so people, they're kind yeah. of telling us like, just pick, pick any gray spot on this map and we're going to leave you alone almost. They won't maybe. leave you alone. <laughs> That's no, the they problem. Won't. They won't, but like maybe they won't come to your house and kill you. 
Well, I mean, you got guys like Bill Gates who are out buying all this land that they can right now. He's the he is the single largest. He's buying all the gray land. Yeah, he's buying as much as he can, and as well as he's investing in like uh, baby food, synthetic baby food uh, company, and also uh, fake meat. So they're they have their plan, their agenda. And it's just, you know, it's crazy how we started off talking about the Federal Reserve and now we're talking about, you know, uh, fake meat. But <laughs> but this is the this is the tr- fake money and fake meat. Kind exactly. of the same thing. There you go. That's right. Uh, but this is the you, you if you follow the trail, this is where you're going to end up, you know, and it's just uh, it, man, I it is. I, I want to end on a good note. And I wanted to say this, that it's for the believer you should always remember, always, always, always remember. And if you if you'll give me a second to just share a, a quick story, this this ties in perfectly with what I want to say. The I was on the phone with an an elderly person that I know, dear dear friend, and they were very discouraged because they had have been going through a lot of health problems, and their spouse has been suffering through some a lot of health issues as well, and uh, they've had to move away from where they were f- close to their family. And just really, really, really difficult last couple years. And I just reminded them, I was like, look, we get about, you know, 80 years, 90 years, 100 years if you're really fortunate and you have good genes. And uh, and through those span of years, it's peppered with hardships and difficulties and trials of life, whether it's sickness, financial, family issues, whatever it would be. But God has promised us that when we return with him, we're going to get a thousand years here back on the planet, a thousand years to rule and reign with him. No sickness, no pain, no, we will never have a tear. We'll be living in glorified bodies and we'll be ruling and reigning with him. So the 80, 100 years of hardship, even if we end up, you know, God forbid, being persecuted for our faith, you know, beheaded in some weird end time scenario, uh, you know, we get the promise of winning everything in the end, and we get a thousand years back here on the planet where everything will be ultimately provided for us, and we will be without any difficulties and hardship. So for the believer, that's what we get to look forward to. And I'll just add, it's not only a thousand years. No, no, that's the beginning. Right. That's the beginning. But my whole (laughs) point is, like, we live on this earth Mm. in this fallen condition for 80, 90 years, peppered with pain, and then we get to come back with God for a thousand years, and none of that will touch us. That's what I, it just blows me away when I think about it, and then it it makes me want to share the gospel more. But I will say this, that that is the hope of a believer. So that's why you can be generous. That's why you can have confidence. You can trust God for your provision. It all comes from Him anyways. So every meal you have is because He has permitted it to come before you. Because he loves you, and he'll take care of you. And Jesus told us, you know, look at the sparrow. You know, look at the lily. Does it worry about its colors? Like, he dresses the lily. He feeds the sparrow. And not one falls without him knowing it. You know, that's the faithfulness of God. So that's how I would just encourage someone thinking about these dark subjects. <laughs> Amen. For sure. And if you don't know Christ, you really want to get in on that. Like, there's some beautiful peace that you can have in some really difficult times. It's it'll it'll blow your mind. It's beyond your understanding. So you want to get into that. You want to trust the Lord 
and have your sins forgiven and enter into a relationship with them. Amen. Mic drop. Amen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah nobody knows what to say after that. They're always like, uh, yeah. you want to go? You want to go? <laughs> yeah, but, and truly, like, all of these topics all are kind of the world's backing to the prophecy of Revelation. And I think that yeah. book, um, even though a lot of Christians even believe that it's like a very intimidating, scary dark book but i think it's filled with hope you know like Mm -hmm. when we look at christians throughout the generations that have been in um situations where they've had to be martyrs their faith in god and their walk with the lord is so different than what we get to experience in the western world and so just to be able to even though it's you know the the worst physical thing we can imagine to be in those situations. But just to know that you have God and he's got you and just to be able to be fully like enamored with just you and him, because you don't have anything left in this world physically to distract you from him. And I've heard like beautiful stories of different martyrs being like walked up before their life is taken and they're like singing a hymn out loud. Like they're with tears falling down. Like they're just joyful that they know they're about to meet their savior, you know? And so I don't know. It's kind of like the persecution that awaits us. If, if we're here through a good portion of it or, you know, depending on rapture beliefs, but um, I don't know. It's kind of like, also just something to give us hope in is like that we get to experience truly loving him in that way that he did as he approached the cross. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I was going to say, um, it's also interesting when, uh, if you read a lot of, um, like I've been getting more into like reading the church fathers and like older, um, you know, Christians that were writing, you know, during uh, times of intense persecution. And it, it's always very interesting, especially back then, reading these guys where they're saying uh, two things. It, obviously, they're saying a lot more, but just the, the poignant things is, A, they are almost jealous that other people are being martyred. Hmm. And they don't get, and they're praying for to experience that, like, <laughs> oh, wow. which is just so mind-blowing like because i mean i think there's there's that could be just a whole topic we could talk about on its own but i mean it's just so interesting what they're talking about like you know having like seeing they have like the most beautiful wording about like um when they talk about like you know brother so and so you know was blessed to taste like the sweet you know I'm making something up, but like, you know, brother Ambrose was like, so, you know, was blessed to see, to die, you know, like in the beautiful, you know, like, um, exaltation of our Lord and savior, Jesus Christ. And like, we wept because we weren't able to die with him. You know, like all this stuff is, uh, it's just such a, um, you know, something, a mindset that, uh, for the majority of the Christian church, that's how they, you know, 
martyrdom didn't end with Jesus. It just began, you know, mm -hmm. and um, it's still going on here currently in this world. There's just, you know, um, yeah. a church just got uh, massacred, uh, I want to say a week ago in, uh, I think, Nigeria. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, so it's just interesting that perspective is, you know, it, it, for us to be, uh, it is abnormal to be a Christian and not be under the type of persecution. This is abnormal for the Western church, what we have. This is not normal Christianity well, like throughout you, history. Why would, you have not, to, why would you have to persecute us when they're lukewarm anyways? They're, right. They're not, yeah. you know, a majority of believers are just pathetically, like Lindsay said, they're focused on the wrong things and they think blessings are financial <laughs> yeah. like we've sold them a bill of goods by allowing some of these preachers to really have a platform yeah, with the prosperity gospel and yeah. yeah big evangelical movement the big eva they've they're just a big financial <laughs> big financial money making scheme anyways uh, uh yeah that could be a whole nother podcast bro yeah. but well I was going to say, I, I want to, you left with that story and then I continued on. I, I want to leave, uh, maybe to tie everything kind of back together. I was looking up quotes um, about usury, because that's what we're talking about. The whole Federal Reserve is it, it, usury. And um, I just, I love this quote. It's from uh, uh, St. Anthony of Padua. <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce it. P-A-D-U-A. He said, the usurer is worse than Judas. The traitor, having sold the blood of his divine master, brought back to the priests and princes the 30 pieces he had received, but the usurer guards and keeps his unjust gains. Hmm. So, I mean... They're worse because he actually gave the money back. Exactly. That's what he's saying. Yeah. <laughs> so... Wow. You know, from the start of all this, you know, the our current economic system um, is rooted literally in evil. And, yeah. Uh, was built upon <laughs> i think jesus said something about this that uh, you just heard god or mammon and then he's like something about the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil yeah so <laughs> and it's easier for you know everyone remembers this that uh, the, it's easier for a uh a camel a camel to well i was gonna say i can't remember which one it was, what came first was it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than uh a rich man to enter heaven right yeah. But nobody likes to talk about that. Yeah. Although I was going to say, I don't know if you guys correct me if I'm wrong. I heard this. It was really interesting. I, I think it's pretty well known, but the the whole thing about the camel, you know, the the pin, uh, the, the eye of a needle, yeah. it was a type of entrance way. Yeah, a gate. A gate. A gate. Yeah. And the camels, because they were too tall, had to bend down and crawl through and it. Crawl through it. Yeah. And yeah. so it's, you know, it's an act of humility, is basically what it is. So if you are wealthy, that's not, yeah. that's okay. <laughs> we're not, we're not coming at you. And obviously you know, <laughs> as much as we're saying, you know, like, you know, all this talk about money. Um, I would say if you're wealthy, we have a private podcast. It's uh, <laughs> subscription based, uh, 40 bucks. There you go. Well, if you're wealthy, you should start your own farm. They, hey, that's, man, yeah. We on. need to get a community going of farmers and, uh, don't don't use that term, community of farmers. You just got to put on put on a list now. You know I'm saying that <laughs> you can't say farmers. You, well, you can't say you can't community. say community. Oh, <laughs> oh gosh. We no, I was even gonna go ahead. 
just mentioned with Jesus, um, the wealthy man that comes and says that he wants to follow him. Like, what does he need to do? And Jesus says, just go back and sell some of your belongings and follow me. And the guy's like, I love my stuff, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's just kind of that is the picture of what so many believers are. Like that man obviously believed Jesus was the Messiah, but he loved his things. Mm, yeah. It's a trap. It's a trap. Yeah. Yeah. I'm thinking of Admiral Akbar. <laughs> it's a trap. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I yeah, and Lindsay, it's been awesome. We um Rachel had to had to leave. She was I, I figured that. Yeah, <laughs> she's not just ignoring. Thing. Yeah, she had to leave. <laughs> she, she ventured up here to be with us and uh, live recorded with us, which was cool. And then she had to leave because of her baby. So, you know, mom duties. I guess that's more important. So. Well, she she should have said goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> I think she was trying to uh, just kind of quietly leave and let us keep going going on with the podcast. So, but. Man, uh, is there anything you want to add? Anything that you feel like you want to say? Um, I, I don't know. I don't <laughs> feel like I covered it very well. Rosie did a much better job. <laughs> but a, oh, but one thing I did hear about those giants is they had the six fingers, which is <laughs> common for the Nephilim. Yeah, so. yeah. that's and the, that, that's, a, that's how like Native Americans originally started greeting one another by holding up their palms because the oh. six-fingered ones were more dangerous. Wow. So they'd like hold up their hand. That's why they do the how. Oh, yeah. that's crazy. I didn't know that. That's cool. They're showing the... Uh, huh. Showing their hand so they don't have yeah. six fingers. And uh, that that an extra rows of teeth, I think, was the other thing, too, mm. that they had. Um, that they An mentioned. extra row of feet? Teeth. Like, oh, I was like, how do you do that? <laughs> extra row of teeth, like sharks? Yeah, yeah, they they would have like an extra row of teeth or something. Wow. That, I've I've read that too. So, um, dude, we had American Nephilim. That's we got to go find those things. Mm -hmm. We got to go find those bones. Well, that's because I'm teeing up that the Middle East wasn't the Middle East. It happened here in America. <laughs> All right. I'm just kidding. But <laughs> I don't actually believe that. But uh, that was just a joke. Right. But yeah, yeah. American Nephilim. I was going to say, we, we could do a whole other thing. There's uh, tons of, if anyone is interested in that and it sparked your interest, there are tons, tons of ancient, um, they call them mounds, mm -hmm. um, burial mounds. That's what they say they are um, here all over the U.S. Um, of, you know, that are set up. You know, like ancient burial mounds in the Middle East, you know, like uh, in there, there are so many that a lot of you have to remember if like if our news is so fake right now, you know, this, this is very cliche and it's not anything. If, you know, our news is so bad right now, what about our history when you can't claim anything? So just imagine all these, uh, you know, uh, hills or mountains that we see are, you know, out here that they just say, oh, that's natural reoccurring. You know, think about, they're making discoveries all the time where, um, you know, there could, there could be pyramids here. There could be ancient uh, structures that we don't know about that could be here. Um, if, you know, sure. biblically Babylon, they, they got spread all across the nation, uh, the world even. Yeah. 
Um, there's a lot of burial mounds, so I wouldn't be surprised. Um, yeah, giants in the U.S. Look it up, Nephilim. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Especially if like, but like Rachel was saying at the beginning, like before the the continental drift or whatever, they you know there is a small. When it was Pangea. Yeah, Pangea. Pangea. Yeah, there's a small verse in the Bible that actually talks about that, um, hmm. and it was after the flood, so the waters would recede, and then then the continents would drift. You know, uh, I guess because the water came from below and above. So it would create almost floating at some level, you know, or just at least it was still covered, but uh, it lifted it and then it would separate as the waters receded. And uh, so if those people went all around, it'd be a lot easier if it was just one big landmass, right? Mm -hmm. You know, it's a lot, it's a lot easier to build, communicate, get pyramids through all that kind of stuff, copy, you know. Yeah, and so much is obviously only capable by giants, like Easter Island or Stonehenge, and you have those kinds of stone monuments throughout the whole world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, there's crazy things, and the cutting, the precise cutting Mm -hmm. is, like, Mm -hmm. how did they have the technology to do that? There's a lot of mysteries. There's a lot of things that, like, I feel like the answers are there, um, for us, I just, they're just hidden. They're hidden. Yeah, they don't want them to be known. Uh, and do you know why? Well, <laughs> <laughs> because it proves that the Bible's real. Yep, that's right. I used to have a buddy that said if they ever found Noah's Ark, they would that would be like it. Like people would, they would just uh, they, like they couldn't deny it at that point. You know, I'm like they did. Yeah. They did find it. <laughs> they just won't. Let, <laughs> they won't let you go there. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they've got GPS satellite pictures of it or whatever, you know, uh what looks like it could be the ark and it's supposed to be in the lo- location. So, oh man. But they really won't let anyone go there? Yes, you cannot go. It's in uh I believe China. It's a part controlled by China is what I want to what I want to say. Hmm. Is, okay. But uh Mount Ararat, is that where he landed? Isn't that where the he says the ark is? Yeah, I think it's in it might be Iran, but I feel like it's China. We'll have to someone have to check that f- for me. But um, yeah, I remember when well, I technically it's not China who owns it. It would be the Rothschilds right. because since <laughs> they own all the world banks, they own all the world. Gosh, yeah, Turkey, that, Turkey. That's what it's Turkey. Yes, sorry. Yeah, um, man, that's crazy to think about too. You know, a family owning everything. Like yeah. It's just weird to me. And I don't know if this is true about them, but I just recently heard that there's a place in England, like a compound, where they live and they don't leave. Hmm. They just don't leave at all. Yeah. What I heard is that because Satan is there. And so it's like the throne of Satan. Oh. <laughs> wow. and they don't but I obviously don't know anything. Well, that I'm, I mean, isn't that uh, – and this is – an interesting thing I wasn't prepared for the um, the Bank of England that is within the city of London, which mm-hmm. is different than London, yeah. right. comma the city, right? It's, yeah, it's like the Vatican to Rome, right? And DC and, too is Washington DC's uh, the third city. Oh, did, yeah. Oh, right. And right. they all have a giant obelisk to connect the three of them together, right? But the the Rothschild Manor. Is right across the street. It's within that little city, right next to the Bank of England. And um, 
This was this is interesting. I was just thinking about this, that uh, Bloomberg was building his second headquarters in the city of London, like right next to uh, in that same financial district. And um, they found uh, this is pretty open, but it's, it's just absolutely crazy that there is a temple to. Oh, I can't think of the name. Um, that temple to set the temple. Um, was it the Baphomet? Baphomet, yeah. The, the there was the Baphomet temple or Baal. Was it Baal? Baphomet. Okay. Uh, I want to say it, it wasn't Baal, but it was. Uh, yeah, I want to say it was Baphomet, the temple to Baphomet that was left there in England. And, yeah, and so when they started constructing this, uh, his second, it's his second headquarters for Bloomberg, and it's like I was gonna say we could talk all about this. It, it, this is super crazy building where like no employees have their own desks. So you take the microcosm of the World Economic Forum, you're not gonna, you'll own nothing and you'll be happy. He's taking that into this super high tech. Um, biz, uh, building where, you know, he, they don't want people to sit in the same desk every day because, like, it like helps your brain think if you're like sitting with different people. So, and you know, there's automatic lighting, you know, that comes where just where you're sitting or where you're walking, and you know, you have they they have body scanners that they can tell who's sitting where and all this crazy stuff. And they bring, they have robots that bring you food when you order it, like crazy. So it's super high tech. It's one of the most high tech buildings that they're building in the world, and I think it's the largest building square footage wise, just biggest building in uh, at least in, in London, but I think in the it might be like Europe. It, it it's huge and super high tech. Um, but it when they started building it, they started you know going down. They found this temple to Mithras. That's what I was thinking. Oh, of. Mithras. Mithra, Mithras. Okay. They found the temple to Mithras. And um, he paid, like, to have it relocated to, like, a different area because they found out that where – when they started building this temple, that it had been moved there from where it previously was. <laughs> so he paid to have it moved, and it was, like, still in within his building. Oh, it's still in his property? Yeah. Like, so, oh. like, same thing. There's uh, – yeah. It, so it's just interesting that he's in – you know, just ingratiating himself – Again, these big was Mithras. The, um, was that one of the Diana and Artemis? Was she? In, was it in one of those? Ah, dude, you're like, asking the wrong guy. Okay, I don't know about yeah. all those other ones. I can't. I, I can't. For, they're they're like all these demons have like seventeen different names, right? And I can't keep track <laughs> of any of them. Like I don't even know which ones are Greek or Roman. You know, like I can't. It's like the uh, Rothschilds. We don't know which ones who are the or the Rockefellers. But at least they all yeah. use the same name. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's just whatever era. Like I think they it's the same spirit. It's just a different name because it's a different era, you know. Or Yeah, or a different language. Yeah, different language. And so that they, repeated the same story. That's right. That's right. And so that's why you get like um Samarius and then it works its yeah. way through, you know, like every Because she's also Venus. Right, Venus and then I think Artemis too. Is who? Yeah, yeah. And then eventually, the Mary. <laughs> I I think so. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, oh, yes, yes. Whenever yes. you worship a child with a mother and a child like that, it shows up. Oh, oh, oh! I, I... The Mother Mary. Yeah. Yeah. There's an argument to be made there for sure. So, 
That's crazy, though. Yeah. But yeah, these elites like building uh, their buildings on top of ancient temples yeah. that were used they for sure do. human sacrifice. And they also happen to be the same people that are in charge of our economy and not just our economy, the world economy. So, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Well, this has been good. This has been cool. It, uh, for having me again. Oh, man. Like we said, always, you have an open door. If there's anything you ever want to discuss or you want to share, please let us know, and we, you know, we'll get you back on for sure. Okay, we'll talk about the Virgin Mary. <laughs> <laughs> all, all Rosie's Catholic friends will, <laughs> will disown him at that point. <laughs> They're still my friends now. They're fine. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. They'll just mark it up to being a Protestant. And yeah. They'll just yeah. roll their eyes. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we could do well, that. Thank you. I, thank you. Thank you. It's been awesome, and uh, I want to. We'll put all of your contact info in the in the uh, show notes so that people can follow you on Instagram, and I would encourage them to check out your saved stories. Lots of cool stuff. Lots of educational things there. In fact, today I was checking out your thirty three. You were doing the number thirty three and how how that's been used through all kinds of different things. I thought that was really excellent. Oh, thanks, thanks. I found so much more about just the whole parallel 33 of all the different um we'll say temples that sit along it so it's pretty crazy because when you think about the fact that they apparently didn't know what the world looked like before nasa was able to get up and see it but yet <laughs> they were intelligent enough to stay on the same geographical line as mm. they made all of their like worship sites to the different gods. So I think that's interesting. Nothing. It's just a coincidence. They just happened to have it. You know, I, it's I just, know. They, they was just lucked out. You know, you're sounding kind of, sounding kind of crazy to think that, uh, <laughs> that all these people conspired to do something like that. You got to just remember. I would never coincidence. think that. It's everything in life is a coincidence. This is all one coincidence. Random chance, bro. That's Absolutely. how. That's why we're here. Yep. Just random. It just happened. They're not planning their buildings on temples. Just what happened. Right. Yeah. I mean, happens to everybody. You Don't know, lock, any man. person that's listening to that and hasn't had like, you know, accidentally built something on top of a temple <laughs> that was used by ancients with child sacrifice, you know you know, pull the plank out of your own eye first. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like right. it happens to anybody. It could happen to any, you know, I might drive home tomorrow or tonight and I might, you know, accidentally run into a sacrifice, you know, like something <laughs> might roll over one. It's happened. You might they're, buy a farm just all and, over the place. Yeah. yeah that's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. They're everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Uh, wow. Yeah. I, the pushback on the number thing, like it just makes me laugh because the the coincidences. There's a point where coincidences become too common that you can't call them coincidences any longer. And yeah, once you get, I so. yeah, once you get to that point in your own mind, it's a lot easier to connect dots because you realize there's there's purpose behind it, and then now you're kind of cluing into the methods and the the reasons and all of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I bet I do get a lot of pushback from the numbers for some reason. It's anything with numbers is always that same response that you brought up earlier from um, 
listeners who's saying you're focusing on the wrong things. Yes. It's like, this is, I don't know. Like it's, it's obvious. Just open your eyes. They're telling you everything. There's absolutely no reason to be deceived. Yeah. And a, a lot of it's like, you know, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Right. We have scripture telling us that. Well, a lot of it is open mockery to God. And yeah. and so when you recognize it, you're like, oh, so that's why he put that on his jersey. That's why he made that handsome signal. Oh, that's why they use those numbers in that that you know news article, mm-hmm. um, because they're mocking God, or, or at least trying to mock God. Um, yeah. And the other thing too is we're in, we're instructed in Scripture as well, and I don't know if this will encourage you or not, Lindsay, but we're in, instructed to expose the deeds of darkness. There's mm-hmm. we're literally commanded like. Paul said, expose the deeds of darkness. So when we do these things, we're actually walking in the truth and exposing the the lies of the enemy and those that are held captive to it. And let me tell you, I had a personal run-in with one of these elites, um, and my spirit was checked hard. Like, it was freaky, and I wanted to get out of there as fast as possible. Like the Holy Spirit in me was like, get out, get out. It was just dark evil and a knot in my stomach. And um, so I know it's real. Like I don't have any questions for me, you know. <laughs> Anyone else, you want to think it's coincidence? That's fine. Live in the dark. Keep your eyes closed. Put your head in the sand, whatever. I'm, 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 that's up to you. But if you want to live in the truth, you find real freedom. When I know what they're doing, I actually have more joy because <laughs> I'm, I'm clued in. It's like knowing what the enemy's doing is it helps, you know, to walk in truth better. I think so. I definitely think so. And that's kind of why I well, because naturally I wouldn't talk about anything just because I'm human and you know, it comes with pushback and that doesn't feel good. So it's Mm. much easier to be like, I'm just not going to talk about these things because people are going to call me names, but there's so much joy. And I have, I mean, I've been saved since I was four years old. So I've always walked with Jesus, but in the past few years of truly coming to this level of truth has Mm. brought me so much closer to God. And I just feel like, it's really beneficial to those believers who really want a life here on earth that's solely about like seeing truth, like just in all facets of it. Yeah. Um, it just, it feels better to not be in the dark, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I have an opposite story of you because I was saved at 17, not raised in a Christian home. And once my eyes were open to the truth in Christ, it was like life, obviously life changing, but it was like everything was different after that. And then once I really started to open my eyes to these things, it was like I call, I tell Rosie, it was like being born again, again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like, I didn't know there was another level I could go. <laughs> yeah. I see the same thing. I feel like it's a double salvation of like just truly being given the opportunity to see this world for what it is and not be tricked into loving it. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's it. 
And when you realize what they're building, you don't want it anyways. <laughs> you look at it, yeah. and it's yeah. just like, man, and what it leads to. But I, I mean, yeah, that's true. And they have their language, they have their methods, and uh, God will not be mocked, and he is always a step ahead of them. He's written the beginning from the end, as Isaiah tells us. So they can't outsmart them. They can't outmaneuver them. <laughs> no. And, he just... and I think we look at Jesus, even in Revelation, calling out, you know, get out of Babylon, like, flee her, my people, right? Yeah. So there's an urgency to leave Babylon. And when you don't understand um, what mystery Babylon is and who directly Jesus is speaking to, you can overlook that as it's not applicable to yourself. But then when you start under covering all of the things that they do and tracing it all back to Babylon itself, you realize like, Oh, that cry is for us Mm. to get out of Babylon, Babylon captivity, right? Whether it's like, spiritually, mentally, um, physically, like removing yourself from Babylon. Yeah. Yeah, totally. That's it. And people don't understand. I've, I've heard a lot of theories on people, you know, talking about what Babylon is, you know, for in the end times. And um, mm-hmm. a lot of them just don't line up with the rest of Scripture, unfortunately. And uh, it's, you know, if you keep it threaded, it's the same thread, right? It's gone through from Genesis 6 all the way through, right? It's the same thread that Jesus mm-hmm. is, is telling us to let go of and uh, and trusting in. <laughs> so, right. But, man, dude. Well, I'm sorry to keep you so late. Yeah. Oh, no, no. We're good. We're good. Thank you so, so much. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you coming on, darling, dar- Lindsay. Don't call me darling. That seemed too personal. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> no, it's okay. I was thinking of your Instagram, darling dwells. So yeah, uh, it always it always tongue ties me. I I um I don't know why, but I'm sorry. No, you're good. <laughs> you're good. I really should probably change the name since it's no longer about where we live. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could, you could change it to uh, Breaking Babylon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Yeah. That'll be flagged right away. Oh, yeah, yeah. probably. <laughs> so, man, well. well thanks, guys. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. It's always fun to, to hear your insights, and we do appreciate uh, everything that you, you know, put into your, your Instagram and the ministry that you have there. I know um, – it may seem odd to call it a ministry, but I do believe it is a ministry, and I always see Jesus in it, so I appreciate that in you. And uh, keep on going, man. Don't stop. Well, thanks. You guys, too. You're doing a great job with your podcast. I try to listen as often as I can, and and just even the, the – I mean, you don't share a ton in your stories, but the stuff you do is all <laughs> good truth stuff so that's always exciting to see the, i'm sporadic because uh with instagram because of just life i, I just you know kids family yeah. working it's hard to keep it keep it all up in the air it totally is yeah yeah and i don't use our instagram because yeah. i'm bad at it yeah rosie 
I thought Rosie would be the the young guy doing it, but uh, he didn't want to do it. So you're stuck. Everyone's stuck with me, and my, my sp- I'll get on a kick, and I'll just be like, doo, 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 and then I'm silent for like three weeks. <laughs> so, anyways, well, yeah. Thank you so much again, Lindsay. No, thank you, and thank you for sharing your information about the giant. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that's another. That's a little nugget for you there. Yeah. So. Cool. Well, we'll but talk. I will tell you at the museum, sorry, just one last thing. I, I did see they do a little blurb of like the Native Americans that were here. And then it was also like a cotton plantation type thing. So then they have a little thing on slaves and then they have the elites. And so it's obviously a very sad past on that island. But mm-hmm. all of the images of the Native Americans that they used were not giants. So Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Well, they gotta keep them hidden. Yeah. What about the name Jekyll? Did anyone find out why they call it Jekyll? Uh, um, I think they told that on a tour, but I can't remember. It was it was named after the guy who bought it. Uh, I read something about it. Yeah, it was named after some guy's name. Well, if you you know Jekyll and Maybe Hyde. That, right? Oh, that's what I yeah. that's what I think about is Jekyll and Hyde. What is Jekyll and Hyde? What does he do? He starts one way and ends up another way as an evil monster. Yeah. Was Jekyll the guy? And Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. Mister Hyde was the uh, was the bad guy, right? Yeah, yeah. Doctor Jekyll was the yeah. one who took the potion. Here you go. Nineteen seventy three, seven seventeen thirty three. There you go. Okay. Uh, General James Oglethorpe named Jekyll Island in honor of Sir Joseph Jekyll, his friend and financier from. England. A financier. Yep. So it has its roots, even its name and money. Yep. <laughs> oh, gee whiz. <sighs> they, it's almost like it's planned. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. No. Another it's a coincidence. One, it's another one of those coincidences. Wow. There's just so many. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's awesome, Lindsay. Well, thank you again for joining us. We will uh, catch you next time, okay? Okay. Be safe out there. Thank you. You too. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs> okay, bye. <laughs> bye. Thanks for listening to the All Out War podcast today. If you had a blast, then we'd love to have you back for another episode. So please subscribe and leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. You can also follow us on Instagram at All Out War Podcast or on Twitter at AOWcast. These episodes are also available on YouTube unless they contain a little too much truth. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time.